0: Today, we have Mr. Roman Babber on the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. Mr. Babber is running to be the next leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Mr. Babber, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: It's good to be with you.
0: All right. Let's start off with the toughest question of the day. If you become the next Prime Minister of Canada, when would you scrap the carbon tax before or after lunch on your very first day?
1: <laughs> we have a very busy first day, and... and... The first day would include uh, introduction of legislation to scrap the tar- carbon tax, unless we're able to do it uh, without legislation, I'll have to ask. But the intent is on day one. Uh, and and as, as I often joke, uh, on day one, we got to repeal the anti-pipeline bill. Uh, some of your viewers also know that I'm very passionate about Canadian human rights, and I will also um, ban all passports and mandates. And... Um, we will also defund the CBC on day one. So it's a very busy day.
0: Hmm. Well, scrapping the carbon tax on day one is, is music to our ears. But Mr. Babber, you know I have to ask that follow-up question. And that question is, will you replace the Trudeau carbon tax with any form of carbon tax of your own? And what would you do about that second carbon tax that the Trudeau government is introducing through fuel regulations?
1: I will repeal that one as well. And no, I will not introduce any one of my own. Look, I think that as conservatives, we should have courage to discuss the environment. Canada produces less than a percent and a half of all global emissions. Even if you were to scrub all of them, it's not clear that that would make a material difference in the climate, I submit. And we know where the polluters are. They're in India, they're in Russia, they're in China. And, And we know that The Western world is is not meeting these targets. And again, it's not clear that there would be any material effect. So I will not impose any regressive tax on Canadians. Uh, Instead, I will unleash our economic potential in full. And to do that, I propose that we turn Canada into the natural resources superpower that we ought to be
0: your campaign so far has really focused on improving democracy or trying to improve democracy well one of the best ways to reaffirm the role of the citizen as the boss is to bring forward rules and regulate or and legislation like recall and referendums which are in place in alberta and british columbia so would you introduce a nat- a national recall and referendum legislation
1: I doubt it. I don't think that it's going to serve a conservative government well. Uh, you know, We're typically a, a country of 40 to 60 the other way. And my view is uh, we're gonna have recalls every Monday and Thursday if such legislation was to come to bear. No, we have a good political system to hold uh, the government accountable. It's called an election. And I can't stress enough that we do not have the luxury as a conservative party of losing another election.
0: So the government is currently more than a trillion dollars in debt. We see deficits as far as the eye can see. What would you do to address the debt problem and how long would it take a government under your leadership to balance the budget?
1: The goal would be to balance the budget before the end of the first term. Um, Number one, we have to stop borrowing. OK, we borrowed uh, half a trillion dollars in the last, we borrowed a printed half a trillion dollars in the last two and a half years. And all we got is the lousy inflation. We didn't build a single hospital. We didn't hire a single nurse. Um, and it's very regretful that we find ourselves in a position when we effectively pay over $2 billion of interest a month. To put that in perspective, a modern day Canadian hospital costs a billion dollars to build. And so we're spending two hospitals a month on interest alone. I'm going to propose a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to cap any proposed increase in spending to the target rate of inflation, which is 2%. Second, I propose that we are not just going to save or cut our way out of this fiscal mess. We have a shrinking labor force, and aging population. People are living longer, healthcare costs are going up. We need a massive economic expansion, but I don't propose that we do that with taxation. God forbid, we need more revenue, but not through taxation because that actually discourages revenue and taxation, but by unleashing our natural resources. And uh, finally, look, Franco, um, I think that we have a lot of places to save. One for sure is, is the media and the media bailouts. We have astonishing waste in government. I, I'm very well familiar with Waste at Queen's Park, for instance, uh, which is where I'm coming from. Uh, I audited the autism program a couple of years ago. This was a program that was designated to treat children with autism, $300 million. Only $140 million was actually going to children with autism. One sixty million was going somewhere else. So we have a lot more value to find. I'm going to uh, end the media bailouts. I'm going to cut foreign aid. Uh, I'm going to find a way for us to balance the budget and fix our books, but economic expansion is the key.
0: let's Let's touch in on some of the specifics just a little bit more. So I just want to clarify and just get you on the record. So you would you defund the CBC and end the media bailout? Absolutely. In fact, that will that's also
1: uh, day one. Uh, look, the media is supposed to uh, shine a light of transparency on government, right? But how can government, how can media keep government accountable if the government signs its paycheck? It's absolutely impossible. And so uh, I would propose that I will defund the CBC, I will end all the bailouts and, and the subsidies, and I will also end the way that government advertises on the news media. We've seen unprecedented, unprecedented uh, media buys in the last couple of years. There's a rule in advertising, do not piss off the advertiser. And so in order for us to reinstate trust in government and the media, we need to break any financial dependency by media on government.
0: Let's talk about another potential place for savings, the $20 billion per year slush fund for some of the Eastern premiers. That's also known as equalization. So what would you do about equalization? As you may know,
1: I'm the only candidate in this race that has suggested that they will phase out equalization before the end of my first term. Uh, Franco, I'm running against socialism in Canada. and, And that means that I'm not going to have economic interdependency. Uh, between states, uh, between provinces. In fact, what it does is it discourages provinces from working. It discourages provinces from developing their uh, natural resources. And so I I would propose, and and by the way, I'm I'm happy to address the constitutionality of it. I believe that it does not offend the Constitution, uh, and I'm prepared to speak on that, should I be asked. And instead, I would say, look, let's phase it out by the end of the first term. Let's work together, assuming you meet the constitutional test and you're unable to provide a comparable level of services in a comparable level of taxation. Let's work together to unleash your natural resources potential. A province like PEI, who receives equalization from a province next door Newfoundland, right, has barely tapped into 20% of its proven natural gas reserves. We should not have one province in the Atlantic financing another province in the Atlantic. Um, And and what I'm going to do... Uh, Franco is take all that money because we're all paying to equalization and I'm going to give every taxpayer a tax cut. Last year, it would have been $21 billion. Uh, We're going to increase the the personal income, the exemption amount from 14,000 to about 20,000 that will give an extra $800 to every Canadian taxpayer per year.
0: So there's a few more questions I wanna talk about on the savings side, but you brought it up, so let's dive into it. I think taxpayers are paying too much tax. We've seen carbon taxes up, payroll taxes up, and boost taxes up during the pandemic. So where would you specifically cut taxes for Canadians?
1: So as I said, I will give an income tax using money saved from equalization. That's about $21 billion or $800 per taxpayer. I would cut the carbon tax. I will also have another look at the fuel tax. So carbon tax completely out. I will look to either completely eliminate or decrease the fuel tax. Um, and look, I, I'll also focus on on cost of living. It's something that we should be talking about as well. Uh, I think that if there's anything we learned from the uh, Rogers outage a couple of months ago, is the terrible state Of our federally regulated industries and you know we have three cell phone companies two airlines and and four and a half banks i i propose that we need to benefit the canadian consumer i'm going to reduce barriers uh, to enter the canadian market i'm going to encourage competition in federally regulated industries that's going to be good for consumers and and for pricing as well so we we don't just need to focus on tax cuts but we need to encourage competition and ways to make life more affordable.
0: Canada currently does not have a home equity tax, but we are very concerned that the requirement to report the sale of your home with the CRA could be a big step towards a future home equity tax. So our question to you is, would you remove that reporting requirement?
1: Yes, I do. I'm I'm very genuinely concerned about that. I do not understand why we need to report something that's entirely exempt. I'm generally very nervous about the state of Canadian uh, real estate. Uh, We have this perfect storm of a a slowdown in the economy. We saw the economy shed 31,000 jobs last month. We see unprecedented uh, uptick in the interest rate uh, by the Bank of Canada, uh, something that I think is ill-conceived. And we uh, are seeing a lot of pressures on on real estate. And, And I'm concerned. This is one of Canada's largest industries. It has an enormous multiplier effect. And I'm very concerned that we're talking down real estate and uh, potentially costing many Canadians uh, compromising their, their main means of, of saving for retirement, which is their principal residence. And so any, any talk or any hint or any di- any move in the direction of, of capital gains on your principal residence is something that offends me immensely and I will repeal the requirement to report uh, home equity.
0: Our conversation has talked a lot about the economy so far. You said that's going to be your focus. Well, there's a few different ways to focus on growing the economy. Uh, in our view, is the good way, lower taxes, lower red tape. But unfortunately, we see a lot of politicians that like to talk about corporate welfare, taking money from taxpayers and giving it to hand-picked businesses. What would you do about corporate welfare? I have no interest in corporate welfare. I'd like to encourage
1: competition, not dependency. And I'm not going to defend antiquated institutions like Rogers or, or Air Canada. Uh, I think we need to go in the opposite direction. We need to reduce barriers to competition. We need to cut red tape. We need to make our country more productive. We have a real productivity issue in Canada. where We're, we're uh, falling behind on productivity, uh, definitely behind the United States, but, but generally uh, against many OECD countries. And instead of a government keeping people afloat or, or stimulating their creation uh, or productivity, we need to free the market and let Canadians work, let people work. It's the best thing we can do to uh, help our economy, cut our expenditures and, and our debt burden.
0: Would a government under you consider bringing forward uh, legislation to restrict or outlaw corporate welfare?
1: I would have to I would have to think about this a little further and understand what it looks like, but I can certainly tell you that philosophically, it's something that I'm very much against. I do not believe in stimulus provided by government to companies. I believe in supply side economics, which is where we basically encourage companies to produce by by uh, reducing
0: taxes by reducing uh, trade barriers, and by reducing regulation. So one of the concerns that we've been hearing over the last two years is that there's been a tale of two pandemics. One full of private sector pain, pay cuts, job losses, businesses being shut down, and the other full of economic gain for bureaucrats and for members of parliament Uh, More than 300,000 federal government employees received a raise during the pandemic. The feds have no records of ever cutting pay for its employees. Members of parliament took three pay raises during the pandemic. So our question to you is, would you rein in this ballooning bureaucracy and would you show leadership by reversing MP pay?
1: I have to think about the latter because I think that we're suffering from a major deficit of capable people in politics. And I'd like to be, I'd like to bring more competent people into elected office and uh, to, to, to benefit the nation. So I'll do some thinking about the MP compensation package. But with respect to the ballooning de- uh, bureaucracy, look, I've always felt that it, I always felt that it was offensive to me that uh, a, a person driving a Canada Post truck with packages in it, receives about $95,000 a year, plus pension, plus benefits. Whereas their counterpart at UPS or at at FedEx doing the same work is getting paid $55,000, $60,000, and their taxes go to subsidize the person in the Canada Post truck, and they're doing the same job. And the only difference between them is luck or maybe some sort of nepotism. That offends me immensely. Uh, yes, I will rein in the bureaucracy, I will rein in public spending. I think we need to revisit generally the way that government does business and spends. And I think we need to not be afraid of a serious conversation with the public sector unions to say, look, you used to be traditionally you go into government for security and pension, and so you take a cut on pay. But that's not the case anymore. And I'm concerned, I'm concerned that, that many young people these days, you speak to any teachers, any guidance counselor, Nobody really wants to work or succeed anymore. Everybody wants a cushy government job so they can work from home and have leisure time. I don't think that an economy is sustainable that
0: way. Last question. Okay, so what is the one thing that you're most proud of from your time in the Ontario provincial legislature and what's one thing that you want to accomplish before you step away from public life?
1: Franco, I stood up for millions of Canadians that didn't have a voice by opposing lockdowns publicly when it was very unpopular to do so in early January 2021. And I started a conversation and encouraged other folks to push back against what I believe to be a very ill-conceived public health exercise, not just because of the economy, but primarily because of the remarkable collateral harm that it had on the health and mental health of, of Canadians. Canada missed about 850,000 surgeries. We had a couple million cancer screenings missed. All of that is now taking a toll on our healthcare system. And and at the same time, we let go of a lot of people because they made a different medical choice or a lot retired or left. And, And so now we have a healthcare crisis. I'm proud of the fact that I have been able to move our party, the Conservative Party of Canada, in the right direction on democracy, on freedom, on, on opposition to, to the COVID response. Uh, there's no question that we change the conversation. And I, I'm very, very proud and, and thankful to my team. I, I, but I can tell you beyond that, in terms of what I'm seeking to do before I'm done with politics, is I'd like to further encourage and empower the Conservative Party to say what we believe and do what we believe is right. And that means not being afraid of tackling the cancel culture mob Especially as it pertains to the environment, I do not believe that taxing Sally ten bucks at the gas pump is going to have a material uh, is going to have an effect on the climate. I don't think anyone believes that anymore, and we should not be afraid to say that, and we should not be afraid to push back. And so, what I'm going to continue doing is I'm going to continue to push our party in the right direction uh, to have courage to say what we believe, to stand up for Canadians, even when it's unpopular. Um, I'm very excited about the conclusion of this race and about the future of our party and hopefully our country.
0: Mr. Babber, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Good to be with you, Franco. Thank you. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour and do them a favour and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.